1: Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERA Arlington 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. The demographic of older adults over age 65 is growing and likely to be an increasingly large part of dental practice in the coming years. Diseases and conditions of the mouth are common among this population, and many feel less productive or experience low self-esteem because of poor oral health. My guest today is Dr. Sal Salvaggio, a primary dental care provider in private practice for 36 years in the District of Columbia. Dr. Salvagio will describe dental conditions associated with aging and how older adults can maintain good oral health. He'll also talk about payment for dental services and available insurance coverage. So welcome, Dr. Salvaggio, and thank you for joining me today.
2: Well, thank you so much, Cheryl. I appreciate you doing this. And um, I've listened to some of your uh, material, and I have to say you really are providing a great service for the community, so thanks for doing that.
1: Well, and thank you. And so I am really excited about having you on the show because I think the whole area of oral health is very, very important. And sometimes condition and health situation we don't talk about very much or as much as we should, perhaps. So let's start by asking you, why is good oral health especially important to overall health of older adults?
2: That's a great question. And I'll preface this by saying that uh, I'm here as a representative of the District of Columbia Dental Society Foundation, which is the charitable and educational arm of the dental society. And uh, one of our strategic plan goals uh, in our most recent um, session was to address the impact of oral health on our older uh, population. So yeah. So yes, um, in terms of Why it's important to the older population. Of course, older uh, people are susceptible to the same conditions that everybody is. But as you know from your previous uh, broadcast, there are certain things that affect older people more than uh, people of a younger age. Um, I'll start off by saying that it's important to realize that you know, your mouth, there's been kind of historically the separation between your medical conditions and your dental conditions. Maybe that's perhaps because there's been this separation between physicians and dentists. And um, there's been kind of this mindset that your mouth is to be treated kind of like a thing that gets fixed by, by dentists when it has cavities. But really, in, in recent years, there's been a lot of information and research that showed that there is a relationship between your oral health and general health. Uh, for instance, you know, your mouth is in many ways the gateway to the rest of your body because through your mouth you get nutrition, you begin the digestive process, but it's also the place where uh, bacteria live and thrive and can affect the rest of our body. You know, the, the mouth bacteria and other microbes belong there. It's important for there to be a certain set of, of bacteria microbes that populate that area and these are the ones that have, through evolution, have evolved to live in concert with us. And we get many of these from our mother and from our environment. And in a healthy mouth, there's a balance. Just in the rest of your health, there's a balance between the things that are tending to keep you healthy and the things that are tending to make you not healthy, There's a called homeostasis. Well, in your mouth, um, the biology of the bacteria that there is, a, is in a healthy state But if um, it becomes um, uh, that it's not being taken care of, then it can change to a condition known as dysbiosis or you get pathological bacteria in there. And this can affect the rest of your body uh, through a number of ways because the infection and the inflammation caused by this can cause and a contributing factor towards things like heart diseases, pneumonia, even Alzheimer's disease. Uh, The other thing that happens when we get older is we have a less robust immune system. So our uh, ability to fend off uh, infections become decreased.
1: And to that point then, I was wondering, you're leading me into my next question, about physiological changes that are associated with aging. Uh, You mentioned the immune system. Are there other uh, changes that uh, might be occurring that could also cause uh, dental health problems?
2: Yes. Uh, One major factor is xerostomia, better known as dry mouth. And there are a few contributing factors to that. First of all, as we age, there is a tendency for us to produce less saliva. And also, uh, as we age, uh, many of us are taking multiple medications. And There are about perhaps 400 medications that cause dry mouth. The reason this is a problem, because saliva, besides making our mouth feel comfortable, has an incredibly important uh, job in keeping the bacterial acids uh, neutralized. You know, your saliva has has buffering solutions in it and materials so that when the acids that are produced by bacteria, when the bacteria uh, metabolize carbohydrates or sugars in our teeth, it will help to move that towards a more neutral pH or acidity level. And when this acidity level gets uh, too low, that is too acidic, that's when we start getting many, many cavities. And this is something I've seen in my practice where uh, folks who are uh, of older years start getting multiple, multiple cavities. So that's an important factor. The other thing that happens is, while well, I mentioned our immune system becoming less active, takes longer to heal. So if we have an infection in our mouths, it can take us a little bit longer to to get back to health. Uh, There is naturally occurring some bone loss that occurs throughout our body and includes our mouth. And when this happens, what happens is that the roots of the teeth, which normally covered by gum tissue are, is now exposed. And now the roots are susceptible to getting uh, root surface decay, which I think we'll talk about a little bit later on. Uh, the other thing is that there are cognitive changes that that occur that can affect uh, how we uh, can take care of ourselves.
1: And I was also wondering if there might be some physical impairments that uh, could affect uh, older adults being able to do their own oral health care.
2: Yeah. Well, anything that affects our ability to self-care will affect our, our dental health. You know, um, many folks have arthritis in their hands. And, you know, to be to be able to do a, a good job at cleaning, keeping our mouth clean takes a certain amount of manual dexterity. Uh, and sometimes holding a toothbrush can be difficult. By the way, there are things that you can do to help that situation. For instance, you can buy or you can do it yourself, you can modify the handle of a toothbrush to be wider. And there are devices you put on there. So instead of having to grasp a skinny toothbrush handle, you now have something wider to grab that can help you manipulate a toothbrush. Also, I, I'm a big believer in automated toothbrushes, which can, which can help uh, uh, someone clean their teeth with a little less effort. The other thing is just mobility problems. You know, we're used to getting up and going to the bathroom to keep our mouths clean. And if someone is having difficulty or impairments in being able to move, that can affect our ability to self-care this is something, you know, I saw in my practice because I practice for 36 years. So the people I saw when I started my practice, perhaps they were in their 40s, or 50s or 60s. And by the time I ended my practice, they're in their, you know, 60s or 70s or 80s or beyond. And um, and some of these, most people did quite well. But some people had, uh, you know, some cognitive problems, maybe some dementia or some Alzheimer's. And uh, what dis- really discouraged me, and one of the reasons I became interested in oral health for older people, is that their oral health and their uh, dentition went like way downhill really quickly. And the main reason was because they were had lost their ability to self-care. So that, of course, that affects their whole body. But um, you know they really could no longer remember to brush their teeth or how to do it correctly. And unfortunately, their, uh, their caretakers often were not uh, keyed into that. And because of that, they developed a lot of oral infections and things like that. So, yes, cognitive decline can have a, a really uh, large impact on your oral health. It's quite important for whoever the caretaker is, either be a you know, professional home aide or a, a sibling uh, or excuse me, a, a child or, or, you know, husband or wife, whatever, to be able to know what to do and how to do it.
1: And thank you for that, Dr. Salvaggio. I also wanted to ask you. You had mentioned uh, earlier about health conditions, and I believe you mentioned heart disease. Yes. Might there be other health conditions that can affect uh, dental health?
2: Well, it's kind of a two-way street. For instance, I had mentioned the condition of dysbiosis. You know, of your mouth. Uh, if you have infections in your mouth, it can uh, go into your lung and, and cause pneumonia. That's one thing. And, and the other thing that can happen is if you have diabetes, diabetes will affect your circulatory system and can make, uh, if you have some periodontal or gum situations, infections, it can make those infections worse. And if those infections get worse, the inflammatory products produced by, by periodontal disease increase and that makes your diabetes worse. So so there is kind of a multiplying effect on that.
1: and. The other factor I'm thinking besides the physiological and also just the different physical issues, what about uh, prescription and over-the-counter medications? I'm wondering if that can also impact oral health, and especially if somebody is taking multiple medications.
2: Well, uh, absolutely. You know, I'd, I'd say the, ma- the main effect is from something we touched upon previously, which is xerostomia uh, or dry mouth, and that has uh, just A remarkable effect you know as a side note here when i was doing my residency in a hospital we were taking care of a young a young man who had head and neck cancer and he had his he had multiple sessions of radiation which wiped out his salivary glands and his teeth basically just fell fell apart in a matter of not too many months so i can't stress how important it is to have um saliva in your mouth and and the and the effect it has on your teeth but yes, there are perhaps 400 medications that can affect um, the, the condition of your saliva in your mouth. Uh, some of them are prescription things, such as antihistamines, which you can take. Now, if you take those occasionally, it won't have a, a big effect. But if it's something you take uh, a lot, it can have an effect on decreasing your saliva. And then medications such as blood pressure medications, anti-anxiety medications can affect it also. Something else is anticoagulants, the things that people take to prevent blood clots. And they need to be a little careful with that because in case you're having any kind of dental surgery, either periodontal surgery or oral surgery, uh, that person would need to tell uh, the health professional that I'm taking these things so they can either be discontinued or at least they know that that's a, that that's a possibility that to having some kind of an effect upon the treatment and the healing.
1: One factor also that I'd like to ask you about is that there may be older adults who are still wearing dentures. And could you talk a little bit more about dentures when they're necessary and Mm -hmm. help us understand what kind of dental care guidelines people who wear dentures need to know?
2: Well, um, of course, dentures are replacement teeth and they're a couple of different kinds of dentures. There's the full denture and that's when someone has no dentition left in the upper or the lower arches and these are used to be called dental plates but basically they're made of these days are made of a kind of a plastic and um, then there are partial dentures and partial dentures sometimes have a metal component to it. So this is when someone has some of their dentition but missing the rest of their dentition so the these um, go in to replace the missing teeth. So both partial dentures and complete dentures need to be removed, uh, usually at night. And uh, it's very important to realize that it's, that it's necessary to clean these in addition to uh, your regular teeth. And there are special ways of cleaning them. What, what you should not do is to um, put them, when they're out of your mouth, in liquids that contain uh, bleach or even mouthwash because the materials that the dentures are made of can react poorly and start to break down. Basically, you should just keep them in water or perhaps maybe one of the products that you can buy over the counter, like a pile or, or something like that can, can help. The other thing is that you need a special tool to keep them clean, you know, a regular toothbrush which is designed to clean your teeth uh, uh, and not be too hard on your teeth, not too abrasive, isn't really adequate for cleaning dentures. And there's something called a denture brush, which you can pick up in uh, pharmacies or you can get online. It's much stiffer and it's designed to uh, to clean dentures. The other thing is that many times people will use denture adhesives to help them stay in place. And it's okay to use a minimal amount you should ask your dentist how much to use. If your denture is basically fitting properly but needs a little help, it can help uh, keep them in. But it's important to remove the adhesive every, every day or every night uh, completely and to clean the denture because a, a, a dirty denture can be actually a source of bacteria, bad bacteria, and an infection in your mouth.
1: And thank you for that. I think that that's really important because there are people who are still uh, wearing full dentures or or partial. I wanted to ask one other question as to dental conditions, which we're going to be getting into a little bit more now. Besides just the mouth itself, would you also say that dental conditions or diseases can affect the nutritional status and, and, and really kind of diminish an overall social status and sense of well-being of an older adult. Is, isn't that true?
2: Yep. You know, um, you could think of the chewing process as being the first step in in digestion because you, what you want to do is be able to um, break down food into smaller particles so that you're able to digest it properly and get the nutrition. So if I can make an analogy, you know, if you were – go to make a, uh, a fire in your fireplace you wouldn't start out by throwing a large log on there. You start out by putting something that had uh, you know a low temperature for starting the fire like maybe some paper or some twigs or something and then go to something bigger and then the log. So the same thing when you're digesting food uh, you you aren't, aren't able to get the nutrition out of your food, uh, very well if the food is going into your digestive system as a large bolus or a piece. So when you're chewing your food, what you're doing is macerating it and making it so that when it does enter your stomach, it's already kind of preconditioned and your stomach is a, an amazing organ uh, and it has very low pH and acids and stuff like that. But still, if it if it can get to the, um, to the food in a smaller particle size, it'll be able to, when it Goes further on into your digestive tract, be able to extract the nutrition. So, certainly, you know, I've seen people without teeth gum their foods and they are able to eat, but they're not getting as much nutrition. And also, it's setting them up for digestive problems because it just, you're not designed to have food enter your system that way. In terms of um, social aspects, yes. you know, when people have poor dentition, maybe a lot of cavities or they're missing teeth, that changes how they relate to others. They may not smile anymore. They may not want to be in situations uh, where they're where, where they have to speak. They may not be speak as much because they they know their dentures are loose or things like that. And you know, there are many studies that show that as we get older, it's quite important to maintain our social. Uh, Our social world keeps us healthy physically and it keeps us healthy mentally
1: also. Which is why this whole program is so important to talk about dental health. So (laughs) I want to get into, you've been talking about it already um, as as far as dry mouth and Mm -hmm. that it's quite prevalent uh, amongst older adults. I'd like to kind of Talk about, are there certain symptoms that people, or is it what it says, dry mouth? And, and as important is, how is it treated? What, what do you recommend when you see patients that have dry mouth?
2: Yes, there are um, symptoms that people, sometimes it happens gradually and they don't really notice it. But things like um, your mouth can be have a burning sensation. And of course, food sticks to your teeth and to your cheeks, cheeks more than 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 usual. Uh, it's hard to to chew food and to digest it properly because instead of the saliva helping, because the saliva also has um, something in it that helps to break down sugars and other things. So it's it's not being it's not aiding in the digestion of the food. Um, there are some conditions, the non-medication conditions that can cause a dry mouth. There's something called Sorgen syndrome, which is an autoimmune phenomena, which affects people uh, usually over the age of 40, which can cause dry mouth and, and, and dry eyes. So in terms of what you can do about it, now you, I, one thing is to first of all recognize that it's a problem. So you may want to mention to your dentist, you know, I feel this is going on. And as part of it, a, a good dental examination, which we'll talk about later, should be, you know, looking how, if you have adequate saliva. And but if you're having some symptoms, you should mention this to your dentist. Also, um, you may want to mention this to your physician if you're taking multiple medications, because there are some medications that might be a little more uh, prone to giving you dry mouth than others and there's some ability to switch to a different kind, of, uh, different kind of medication. In terms of what you can do for yourself, um, you can, uh, of course, sip more water, you can chew uh, sugarless gum, which is actually pretty good for you to, to do that, which can stimulate salivary flow. You can uh, get something that's uh, called salivary substitute. If you go to the pharmacy, Sometimes they have preparations made up or they're over-the-counter medications. They're basically uh, lubricants. They contain something like glycerin and then that you put a few drops on your tongue and rub it against your teeth and it can make your mouth feel temporarily a little more comfortable. It also may help you, you know, if you're taking medications, if you have a very dry mouth, it, the pills can actually stick to your tongue and, and that can be a, a problem. You know, you could choke on it. So, make sure that that your mouth is moistened when you do that. And maybe some of this dry mouth substitute can help uh, with that also.
1: We're going to talk about a few more conditions before we get into examination. But I think probably this is a good time to to take a break here. And uh, I just wanted to let our listeners know that in case you tuned in late, we are talking with Dr. Sal Silvagio, a primary care dental care provider in private practice for 36 years in the District of Columbia. And you're listening to WERA Arlington 96.7 FM. We'll be right back.
0: Aging Matters on WERA is brought to you in part by Synergy Home Care. Synergy Home Care provides premier in-home care for you or your loved one throughout Northern Virginia, including personal care, homemaker services, companion and memory care, and transportation. Call 703-558-3435 or visit SynergyHomecare.com for more information. Synergy Home Care will find a care solution to meet your needs.
1: Welcome back. We are having a wonderful conversation with Dr. Sal Salvaggio, a dental care provider, to help us understand about oral health, particularly, of course, amongst older adults. And so, Dr. Salvaggio, before we get into there, you started, you, before the break, we talked about dry mouth, but I understand there are several other conditions that are also prevalent amongst older adults, and like to hear a little bit more. One of them is, as I understand it, root caries and coronal caries. Tell us what the cause of each of these conditions um, are, or is, and uh, the treatment.
2: Well, uh, first of all, you know, the term caries is a technical term for, ca- for cavities. So um, th- these are cavities that can occur on different parts of, of the tooth. So of course, when you see a tooth in your mouth, what you're seeing is the portion portion that sticks out of your gum, which is known as the coronal portion of the tooth. And um, but there is just like an iceberg, although it's not uh, however many thirds <laughs> below. There is the roots of the teeth, which are, which are embedded in bone and covered by your gums. So normally, um, you don't normally see the roots of your teeth. In other words, the roots of your teeth aren't exposed. But your roots of your teeth can become exposed by uh, several conditions. One is, um, as I mentioned before, as we get older, there is naturally occurring a tendency to get some recession. And when the bone recedes, the gum in a healthy situation will actually recede with it. So now you can start seeing root surfaces. And by the way, root surfaces usually look darker because they're covered with a material known as cementum. Cementum is not enamel. Uh, enamel is a hard surface on the top of your tooth, and cementum is much more susceptible to decay because it's less mineralized. The um, coronal portion of your tooth, the part that sticks above the gum line is covered with enamel, which is uh, quite resistant to decay. How- however, um, because of uh, the way our diets are, you know, we have gotten much more into uh, foods that contain sugars, um, so this makes us more susceptible to getting decay on the tooth surface than historically in the, in the past, actually. And what happens is when you eat sugary foods and carbohydrates, it actually shifts the population of bacteria that live on your teeth to more of the sugar-loving bacteria. So you're encouraging them to grow. So now you have uh, cavities uh, that can enter the surface of the tooth. In terms of treatment, No root surface cavities can be difficult to treat because they can occur uh, quickly and advance rapidly because uh, the cementum is not as mineralized. And there are a variety of materials, I won't get into here, but there are special materials to cover cover these up that can help inhibit the recurrence of of decay. They can be hard to treat because um, the roots are complex and you can get decay between the roots. So try not to get root surface cavities. Um, The coronal cavities, you know, um, I don't know about you, but I grew up in the 1950s, and my apartment in Brooklyn was on top of a candy store, and uh, so I constantly had a, a penny candy dissolving in my mouth, so I have a lot of fillings. And a lot of those fillings were done when I was, you know, younger. And as we get older, what happens is they need replacing, but they also start to break down in the margins or the areas where the filling meets the tooth begins to open, And now this becomes a passageway for the bacteria to get into your tooth and to cause cavities that way. The other thing, by the way, that can cause gum recession is, of course, periodontal disease or periodontal surgery.
1: And to that point, then, I was going to ask you, you said periodontal disease. When I was preparing these questions, I also saw something called periodontitis. Now, is that the same condition? And if so, Tell us a little bit more about that, what the cause and, and of course, what the treatment would be.
2: Well, periodontal disease is the, uh, the catch-all phrase for diseases that, con- that occurs to the um, supporting tissues of your teeth. By the supporting tissues, I mean your gums, uh, the bone, and the, those type of things. Periodontitis is the actual condition of having you know, whenever you see the itis at the end of something, it generally means an infection of. So this is an infection of those periodontal uh, tissues. So um, there are several stages in periodontal disease. It usually starts out with a condition known as gingivitis or infection of your gums, information, inflammation of your of your gums, and which is a red swelling, by the way, um, you should never see bleeding of your gums when you brush your teeth or you floss your teeth. If you see bleeding of your gums it's not it is not normal and that needs to be uh, addressed by your let your uh, dentist know about that because that means you have an active inflammatory process and that inflammatory process is causing periodontal disease so we need to take that care of take care of that and then so periodontitis can progress from there to be uh, mild periodontitis where it can be treated uh, just by increasing your home care awareness and doing different things and your dentist and hygienist can let you know what can be done. In cases of advanced periodontal disease, it often requires uh, an intervention of more aggressive procedures done by your dentist or perhaps by by a specialist known as a a periodontist. also, there people there's a genetic component to that. Unfortunately, you know, so some people just have a tendency to get recession and periodontal disease. So, you know, so part of the reason could be because of neglect or poor care and not being properly educated, or part of it could just be because um, you chose your wrong parents.
1: Well, that's certainly comforting, uh, but um, <laughs> helpful to know, but. Based on what you're, the information you're providing for us, I mean, we really need to be very attentive to our dental care. I wanted to cover one more condition, and you had mentioned this earlier also, and that's dental infections. Uh, cause and treatment, what would you tell us?
2: Well, uh, dental infections are you know, the variety, you know, that's kind of a catch-all term, a variety of things. We just touch upon periodontal infections. That is, you know, generally it's caused by a bacteria or can it be caused by viruses that can occur in the gum is supporting the tissue. Then there's root canal problem or endodontics. So you're going to get, you know, in, inside the center of your tooth is a nerve and a pulp who has a blood vessel. And uh, if that starts to degrade because of sometimes as a result of a very deep, large filling over time it can happen or sometimes because decay gets into the tooth you have an actual infection into this nerve, which can be, uh, as you know, really painful. And it's also a, a general health problem because you now have the ability of bacteria to get into your bloodstream from there. So it's something that really does need to be addressed. Then there are infections such as um, herpetic infections of the lip. You know, sometimes you get these cold, cold sores, fever sores. And this is caused by a virus that lives up a nerve track and can become activated by trauma. You bite your lip or something like that, and and the virus moves down the nerve track and reinfects what's called the dermatome or the area that the nerve covers, and causes the to um, uh, exp, to, to uh, increase in size, and you get that uh, lesion that can take a couple of weeks to go away. Which is, by the way, uh, very susceptible to getting it, to giving it somebody else. So be careful, don't share. Uh, implements with people. And then there's um, you can actually get shingles or there's a different kind of herpetic infection, herpes zoster, in the mouth, which can be really quite painful and will take several weeks to go away. Um, these uh, Both of these, uh, at, the, at the beginning of getting an infection, if you let your health professional know, dentist or your or physician know, you can be prescribed uh, antivirals which can reduce the ability of the, of the virus to hang around so long, it can make it a little less of a problem for you. And then there are fungal infections that can occur in your mouth. As I mentioned before, you know, people uh, have, as we get older, a decreased immune uh, system. And sometimes there are opportunistic organisms like fungi, which, will, which can gain a foothold in the mouth and, and grow. It could be quite painful and burning mouth. Uh, sometimes it's a result of taking uh, antibiotics to to fight an infection. You, somebody might have a urinary tract infection, take antibiotics, and then they get a, an infection in their mouth with fungus. So again, you need to let your dentist or healthcare provider uh, know about that.
1: And that's a good segue into where I'd like to go with this interview now about receiving all this education and communication about why dental care is important. We hope lots of people will listen to this program, but uh, and we're going to do our best to make sure that happens. But what do you, as a, a, a dental health provider, how do you recommend that uh, people get their education and communication about why dental care is so important?
2: First of all, you should consider as your primary source, and everyone should have a, a dental home, a, a dentist you see. Um, and I'm, I think most people do have that. And, and your dentist should be providing you with information. When they do an examination, they could they should let you know what they see. And also, uh, if there are advances in dentistry, they should let you know about that. Same thing goes for the hi- dental hygienist, a, a very important part of the of the dental team. So I'd say they are probably most people's primary source. Um, and the other thing is, you know, you could look for information on uh, through other a, uh, avenues such as the American Dental Association has a website which has information on it. The Center for Disease Control uh, uh, has information on it. Also, you can check your local dental society. They usually have inf- information on it for uh, how to how to care for your teeth and answering your questions. And of course, there's also the internet, which should be used with caution because as you know, Believe it or not, not everything you see on the internet is is true. But if you see something, you know, you have a question about something you see, uh, you know, certainly, you know, ask your ask your dentist or your healthcare provider. You know, I saw this on here about this. I think I have this going on. What do you think about that? You know, so before you do any home care uh, remedies, you know, you should you should check it out to make sure that it, that it's it's okay.
1: Okay. Well, let's move on to that preventive dental examination people come to see you what's included who who's involved in terms of obviously you would be as the dentist um, but uh, what other healthcare professionals and what what's the goal here and what's the process
2: yes as i mentioned before your your general dentist should be your home base for your dental care and um as I also mentioned, there are different conditions that can occur to your mouth, such as uh, endodontic problem, root, root canal issue, or periodontal problems. So um, there are, I know when I was a, a practicing dentist, I had people I developed, specialists I developed relationships with, which is very important because the communication between the specialists is re- is really key and the dentist, so that you're on, you're on the same uh, team, so that when someone is sent to a specialist, there's good coordination of what the next what the next step is. Uh, in, in, ge- in general, the general uh, excuse me, in general, the, your dentist will diagnose a, a problem, and it's possible that that dentist can just treat that problem totally within his or her office. So uh, many dentists provide periodontal treatments or endodontic treatments. Or sometimes orthodontic treatments within their office, but every dentist um, can decide at what level they feel that you know something is exceeding their expertise, or they just want a second opinion, or send it to somebody else. And that's when it's good to send it out to one of the others, one of the other specialists. And there are a number of a number of other specialists in, in dentistry, um, including the ones I mentioned: orthodontics, periodontics, um, and there is even some specialists now in. Uh, medication or and pain management?
1: I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about dental x rays. I have of course in many times when I go to see my dentist, I get dental x-rays, sometimes more than others. And so I'd like to hear from you why are dental x-rays needed? How often should they be taken? And probably the thing that maybe we all worry about is uh, how much radiation are we ab- absorbing when these x-rays are taken? So help us understand what's going on there.
2: Well, that's a question that was always being asked me by my patients. And it's good because as a dental consumer, um, you should know the answers to your questions. So. By the way, you should always ask, whenever you have a question about something that's being done for you or to you, you should always feel free uh, to ask the dentist about it because it's incumbent upon them to answer your questions so that you understand them. So specifically for x-rays, if, you know, as part of the general dental examination, of course, we look for, for cavities. But there are many surfaces of your teeth that occur uh, where we just can't see. For instance, where your teeth touch each other in between your teeth. Uh, Also, uh, depending upon the type of x-ray that's taken, uh, we can see um, small developing cavities in in areas we can't see, root abscesses, you know, infections, uh, bone loss, even certain types of cancers can be detected through x-rays. So so taking dental radiographs is a very important and really necessary part of, of a dental examination. In terms of the frequency of X-rays, you know the answer is it depends, and it depends upon a couple of factors. One thing it depends upon is how your history of your of your of your mouth. So if you are someone who had a a lot of cavities and tend to get recurrent decay, you know your X-rays are taken with more frequency, perhaps every six months or once a year, and those are usually the cavity screening kind you bite down on sometimes called bite wing kind of x-rays and then uh, but if you're someone who these days many young uh, uh, patients because of dental sealants and other things don't have as many cavities and there's a you know maybe their oral hygiene is better than it was when i lived on top of a candy store Um, so maybe they don't need as many uh, x-rays maybe like once a year once every year and a half once every two years it depends upon it depends upon the dentist And then there are different types of x-rays. There's the ones I mentioned before, the cavity-detecting x-rays. There's a complete series of x-rays which takes all your teeth and the supporting structures which show the roots and everything. Those are taken less frequently, and again, depending upon your situation. They're generally taken as a new patient to get a baseline, but then they're taken periodically depending upon those parameters I, I mentioned before. There's something called a panelliptic or a panorex x-ray, which is a machine that revolves around your head, which is uh, helpful in, uh, to see the overall condition of your jaws. It can be helpful for placement of implants and things like that. And these days, there's something called a CBCT, a cone beam uh, technology, which goes around your head and can take either in segments or the whole of your mouth can uh, show it in three dimensions. So not only do you see the... Uh, the status of your tooth. Looking at it straight on, you can actually tilt it uh, via the computer to look at the top and the bottom and side. It's very quite useful for certain things. So then, to answer your question about um, how much radiation we get, first let me say it's better to get no radiation, of course. You know, um, but we need to to have diagnoses done on us through our through you know our medical procedures and dental procedures. So the, the idea is to have, you know, the, the least amount that it, that's necessary. You know, it's the um, risk versus the benefit. Now, um, luckily, you know, dental x-rays, especially these days, are quite uh, low in radiation. By the way, the radiation you get from a dental x-ray is not the, is not absorbed and kept into your body like certain types of other radiation. It's something which you're exposed to, and then the exposure is done. But of course, the, what we are concerned about is if you get too many exposures or too strong an exposure, it can cause damage. It can cause genetic damage. That's why we try to minimize it. Your dentist should be using a dental apron, which is a lead or similar material. It's best for it to cover your uh, neck area. This usually a little thyroid shield that goes along with that. Uh, so And... Um, to put things in perspective, you know, if you um, the amount of absorbed radiation by your body could be measured in various ways. And one way, a common way, is, is by something called the, the, the millisievert. Sievert. It's a thousandth of a sievert. And it's, uh, so one sievert is just a, a, a unit of measurement. So just to put things in perspective, if you were going to go on a uh, cross-country flight from, say, D.C. to L.A., you'd get... 0.04 millisieverts, so 0.04 thousandths of a, of a sievert. Um, if you have one dental x-ray, uh, you will get 0.05 millisieverts. So it's about equivalent to being in a plane for for that amount of time. If the x-rays, the four bite-wing x-rays would be about 0.02 uh, millisieverts. Uh, a whole body scan uh, by, your, by your physician would be about 10 millisieverts. A mammogram is approximately 0.042 millisieverts. And if you're wondering how, much, how many sieverts will it take to kill you, it would take about 3 sieverts or 3,000 millisieverts. So basically, without getting into the weeds here, what I'm trying to get at is that you know the, de- the exposure to dental radiation is, is quite low. That being said, it should always be what you need and shouldn't be done just according to a preset schedule. And if you, if you suspect that it's being done to a preset schedule, ask your dentist, you know, why am I having, having this done now? And, and and your dentist or your hygienist dentist should be able to explain that to your satisfaction.
1: Okay. Well, I want to make sure that we cover a really important topic here, and that is insurance. And uh First of all, since you've been talking about preventive dental health care, I wanted to ask you, are, are preventive dental health care services usually covered by insurance? Uh, how about Medicare and Medicaid? And, and to that whole point, d- d- tell us a little bit more about why it's sometimes difficult to find adequate dental health insurance plans. It seems to be a, a tough topic, so we, we, we want to hear from you. It depends
2: upon the kind of insurance you have. For instance, many people, uh, when they're employed, have health insurance, and usually they help they have medical health insurance. You know, traditionally, in this country, our insurance, unlike many other countries, our insurance is key to employment. So when people are employed, very often that's where they get their medical insurance, and if they have dental insurance, their their dental insurance. In general, medical insurance does not cover dentistry, dental prevention, or, or dental procedures. Um, of course, dental insurance, um, pretty much every dental insurance plan will cover pre- prevention, and there will be some coverage of dental procedures depending upon the plan. There's usually a yearly limit, you know, perhaps it's a 1000 or $1,500 or something like that. Um, Of course, you know, people retire and lose their their insurance, and that puts them in a position of needing to get some more insurance. So um, most of us have, uh, when we get to a certain age, we'll have Medicare, and uh, Medicare really does not cover dentistry. Now, there are some efforts being done now to have that changed on some level, but right now Medicare does not cover dentistry unless it's a result of uh, a, a condition, a medical condition that is um, caused by something like a, a car accident or reconstruction of your jaw because of uh, an accident, or maybe treatment of your uh, due to uh, cancer or something like that. Uh, also sometimes due to uh, preceding uh, a kidney transportation or a heart valve replacement. So there are, there are instances where some uh, dental procedures are covered that are kind of keyed into medical medical conditions. Now Medicaid is a little bit different. You know, Medicaid is a federal program, but it's kind of administered by the states. So every state has their uh, has their different parameters. You know, pretty much all states will cover uh, benefits to children. Um, there's also, um, actually, they're, they're required to provide dental benefits to children. There's also something called the CHIP, which is Children's Health Insurance Program. Um, so they are required to have some uh, procedures covered by that, but it's totally up to up to the uh, state at this point in terms of benefits to the adults. So if someone wants to check about your particular, if you're if you make if you are um, have a certain uh, income level that falls within that covered by Medicaid, you should uh, check out and see what your individual state has to offer under those programs.
1: And then to that point, are there places or resources that provide free dental care, or are there other kind of payment sources that uh, resources that might help to to, um, to cover uh, these particular services? What do we need to know?
2: Actually, there are places uh, that provide dental care at a low cost or, or, or a no cost. One uh, a- avenue is to uh, look to your, um, to your county that you live in, because many counties have um, uh, programs and clinics that will provide dental care at, at a reduced fee or perhaps a, a, a free uh, a fee schedule. Then there are charitable organizations. You know, in the District of Columbia, we have, um, there's a Spanish Catholic Center. I volunteered there for a number of years and they had a sliding fee schedule. There's also Mary Center, and there's also Community of Hope. So um, if, you check, if you check on the, actually, the District of Columbia Dental Society, in our case, they will have listings of clinics that, that will provide, uh, that will provide uh, dental care.
1: If I remember correctly, I used to live in Milwaukee, and I remember going over to – there was a dental school at the local yes. university, Marquette University, and yes. you could go there. Yep. So I guess if there's a dental school in the particular community, that's also an option?
2: Absolutely. you know, in the district right now – well, I went to Georgetown, which which closed its dental school in 1990 – uh, but there's a Howard University, I'm not sure about, I mean, there's Maryland, I'm not sure about, I know you're from Arlington, I'm not sure what your resources there. Uh, but yes, dental schools, uh, once you get into the program, they're, um, you know, the dental students will treat you, it's monitored by the professors. And generally they're not free, but they're at a much reduced, uh, if you have, it can take longer to get the treatment done, but um, you know, it's a, a much reduced cost.
1: Well, as I said, we're getting close to the end, but I wanted to make sure that we talk very briefly about prevention. When you see your older adults, what do you tell them that they should do to ensure that they have good dental health? And, and how often should they come to um, see you or if you are no longer seeing patients right now, how often should they see a dentist?
2: Well, um, it depends upon the person. But you know, there's traditionally a six month or a one or a one year checkup. And I think it's important to at least see a dentist once a year because besides, even if you don't get dental cavities, um, there are oral cancers that can occur in the mouth that, need, that, if spotted early, can be treated successfully, and if spotted late, can be can be quite hazardous to to your health. Um, and when you uh, during a, a dental examination here, just I'll quickly go over some of the things that should be done. You know, your dentist should uh, ask you questions and review your medical uh, conditions, ask if you're having any problems or pain. They should do an oral cancer screening, which consists of looking all around your mouth, taking the tongue and a piece of cotton, pulling it out and looking on the sides of your tongue, which are the most common sites of oral cancer. Examine your jaw joint. Uh, of course, look for, look for decay. Um, take any necessary x-rays. A periodontal screening, which is where a special little probe is marked and poked around the gums to see if you have any periodontal disease going on. Very important. Uh, sometimes models are taken, even uh, just to, to track certain things, or um, we sometimes just take intraoral uh, photographs or extraoral photographs to see a certain condition and kind of see how it is in a certain time frame and check on it later on. Uh, did I answer your question just
1: Yes, well, hear? and as I said, we're just about out of time, so I just wanted to uh, any final comments or resources that would be uh, worthwhile for listeners to to learn more about dental health besides going to see their dentist.
2: Yeah, well, I think we talked a little bit about you know the dentists and uh, sites like the ADA and the cDC and local local dental societies. I just want to stress the importance to to realize. That your mouth is not a separate entity to your body; it's part of your body, and as such, uh, should be given should be given care because uh, neglect can have an effect on on your general on your general health.
1: Good advice. Well, I want to thank Dr. Sal Salvaggio, primary dental care provider, for joining me today. Thank you, Dr. Salvaggio.
2: It's been my pleasure. Thanks again.
1: Okay. I wanted to remind our listeners that the re-air time of this program on WERA Arlington 96.7 FM has changed. So while this broadcast continues to be at 2 o'clock on Tuesdays, the new time for the re-air is Fridays also at 2 o'clock rather than 4 p.m. So remember, enjoy the program twice each week on WERA Tuesdays and Fridays at 2 p.m. You can learn more about Aging Matters by visiting our website at agingmattersonline.com. And there, of course, you can access all of the Aging Matters radio and TV show content that we produce, as well as uh, getting the podcasts on Apple and Spotify. So be sure and look at the bottom of the website and you'll be able to access those, uh, those podcasts. Aging Matters is produced in association with Ink Mouth Media. And of course, to learn more about that company, log on to inkmouthmedia.com. Thank you for listening to Aging Matters today. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week.